How's it, Internet? And welcome to Two Guys in SharePoint. The only SharePoint show in South Africa where everything is not made up and there are no points. How's it, Al? Mr. Modlin, so great to be back. Mate. Yeah, so man. Great. Welcome back. Yeah, no, thank you for um, gracing us on the show again, mate. I, I can't do the show without you. I, we've tried it twice now, and I'm sorry, but it doesn't work, mate. It does not work. I do think it works best with the two of us, so I'm glad we're back at it. But um, the other ones are fun too, and I have I think I have more fun editing them when I'm not in them. <laughs> than otherwise <laughs> it's, it's brilliant mate <laughs> i had such a laugh last week um when you um what did what did nicholas blank say i forget what he said uh, something he about vish he, he, uh, he, he screwed something up or whatever that was yeah and then you 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 came in and, and there are some subterfuge or sabotage or something like that something like that that no, was good man oh. all right so uh, what's on the show this week well, since you've been gallivanting all around the world, I thought we'd get a report from you about exactly where you were, what went down, um, and what the big takeaways are. So yes, it, it was. I think it, it wasn't. Was it last week? Was it last week? Yeah. Yes, it, it was no, last it was week. The week before. No, it was last week. Last week, the week before. Was it last week? Um, yes, uh, Microsoft Inspire in Washington D.C. It's my. It was my first Inspire. Uh, suffice to say, a bit surreal. Were, were you because, inspired? Uh, uh, yes and no. Um, no, because what I've realized is that there is a substantial amount of planning from a partner perspective that goes into these conferences. So it's not that Microsoft decides, well, let's invite the 40,000 partners that we have to come to an event where we talk shop for three days from a sales perspective. It's so much more than that. You have to drink the Kool-Aid. You have to prep from a partner perspective. You need to schedule all your sessions, which you can do up front from the schedule builder perspective. And you get to engage with Microsoft executives at that level. So myself and the real Francois Pinar, our industry insider, we actually did a walkabout on the Friday evening. Was it the Friday? Yes, the Friday evening around one section of the expo hall. And we... Francois has been quite, he's been quite a few times, I think it's his third or his fourth time that he's actually been to uh, the Worldwide Partner Conference, which is now known as Inspire. And he's actually got it done to a fine art. So there was a lot of planning that went into it. Me being the first time that I've gone, I did not understand how it worked. And it was great chatting to him about what the goings on, the going ons are on the day or the days and also unpacking where he sees real value. So I think we've got the video up on the, just go into Facebook, Office 365 community. It's my mate Matthew Hughes was on last week's show. It's the community in the UK, and I think we actually have that interview, that walk and talk, for people that want to know what it inspires all about and what the value adds of sending people to it is, uh, definitely go grab that. But what I want to talk about today is the announcements uh, that happened at Inspire. Yeah, we got Satya, some. We got some big news out of it. Yeah, Satya, look, it's always um, sensationalized, and we're probably going to see a lot of that coming up at 
Ignite in September, which is also going to be surreal. I think Ignite's a little bit bigger. Uh, it literally took us probably about five, six minutes to walk from one end of the expo hall to the other end. That's how big Inspire was. Uh, Ignite's probably about the same. I think give or take a thousand people more at Ignite. Uh, there were 17,000 attendees for Inspire. And at $2,000 a pop, um, it's expensive to attend. Very. Bearing in mind that the event itself, I don't know how Microsoft goes about finding a convention center to cater for the amount of people. I mean, it, it spanned like three, four buildings. Now, when I'm talking, we if you go to the ICC in Durban, or I think there's one in Johannesburg and one in Cape Town, those convention centers are bigger than that, and Microsoft had four of them Oof. in different buildings that you, literally, if you walk from one building to the other one, it takes you 30 minutes just to get to another session. It's the size, we don't understand size in South Africa. Uh, strangely enough, we were chatting to, uh, when I do act, when I, I do actual work, because I, I do have a day job, and we're chatting to our compatriots um, in the U.S. Uh, we do quite a bit of work in the U.S. Mm. And uh, we chatted to an account executive. I'm actually busy on a migration project for next week. From uh, the customer moved to Office 365, didn't enjoy it, moved it back to on-premise, and now they want to move back to Office 365. <laughs> but they've got, they've got under 500 seats, right? Yeah. So our account executive was apologetic about, oh, it's not a big customer, it's like 470 seats, you know? And I'm like, mate, 470 is proper. It's a decent size. Whereas in the US, it's seen as like small fry, you know? Um, so we, we really don't understand the size of how Microsoft operates and Microsoft partners operate in America compared to the way we operate here. Um, yes, we do have big customers. 48,000 users is probably our largest customer. But, but for the most part, you, three to 400, anything under under 500 is, is still very doable and it's not seen as a small customer. Small is 75 and below, whereas in the US it's different. And, and that is really how Microsoft operates. I mean, when we see these um, architectural designs from Microsoft and they talk about small farms, small farms is like a thousand users, whereas for us, that's a medium-sized farm. Yeah, and that's, that's, a for, decent, that's a decent amount of uh, kit. So let's have a look at the, I'd call it the top five takeaways. Uh, you can Google top takeaways for Inspire this year, and some people have listed 10, some have listed five, and, and there's quite a lot more. So I think the first, the biggest announcement was the new product offering from Microsoft called, strangely enough, I mean, they couldn't get more creative, Microsoft 365. Yeah, when you're talking to enterprises, you don't want to get too creative because it makes them nervous. Um, so I sort of get why they keep it a bit simple. But this is a really cool thing um, for me. So basically what they're doing, if I understand it correctly, is um, they're bundling a bunch of their offerings together. So under Microsoft 365, you'll get like a Microsoft 365 E3 or E5 license or whatever. And that includes that includes Windows 10 and the Office Suite as well as a bunch of O365 capabilities as well. So it streamlines a company's licensing, which has always been a major bugbear of mine with Microsoft is their licensing is way too arcane. I know, it's crazy. 
go look at the exams, right? So in order to sell Microsoft licensing as a company, you have to pass what they call a SAM exam, a software asset management exam. The highest failure rate of all Microsoft exams are SAM certifications. It takes a special breed of people to understand how licensing works. I mean, we've got a team uh, at the office. That's all they do. And I mean, it's like they're speaking in a dialect of English I don't quite understand. And I'm in IT. Yeah, so, no, it, it's legalese more than it is IT. <laughs> legalese. Love it, man. Yes, it's definitely legalese. Um, it's, and the fact that they, they're simplifying it now. So, I mean, even if you look at the E-plans, the E-plans, and they call it a SKU. I don't know what SKU stands for, S-K-U. Um, it's like buying a line item. So you ordered a E3 SKU with, with EMS. Um, and then there was a secure, uh, uh, what's called an S SPE, which they, they brought out, uh, I think, of the last year. And that SPE, the SPE license, is actually rolled up now into Microsoft 365. Yeah. So unpacking it is you've got a Windows 10 cal. All right. So for enterprises, that's important, even though it doesn't make sense, right? So as an enterprise organization, so pick anyone that's got over a thousand users or a thousand, well, a thousand users, forget device calls. That's a separate thing. But yeah. you've got a thousand users that need an operating system, an office license, and whatever else, right? So with Microsoft, they'll go, well, with hardware vendors, boom, I buy. Mm -hmm. And, and with these organizations, they go, well, we're going to standardize an HP Dell or, or Lenovo. So when you buy a notebook, it ships with an operating system. You can't buy notebooks anymore without operating systems unless there's a specific shop that does it. In the old days, you could buy a notebook without an operating system or opt for, I think you can still opt for um, on, the, on the Dell and the Lenovo sites to have Linux instead of um, a Windows operating system. Yeah, what most companies do is um, they'll have, if, if they're set up properly, they'll have an image for all the laptops in their environment. When they buy a new laptop, they burn it, kill whatever's on it and load that image in so that they get some consistency do, and, and but whatever. My, my, my question really is, do they still do that? So in the old days with the original system center, configuration manager and ops manager, SCOM and, and, and SCCM, um, yes, then you used to get with HP, you got with old compact, you got the, um, oh, what was it called, man? I, I think it was a starter kit, that CD that came with the the notebook or whatever, that, uh, but it had all the drivers. And what it used to do is it used to inject the drivers for the devices into the installation of Windows. And what you do right now is you get what they call a wake kit, W-A-I-K kit, and that actually allows you to grab an image. So you take the ISO and you inject the necessary drivers and whatever else you want to inject into it and you deploy an image through through System Center. I don't know if, if companies still do that. Um, is there still a requirement for it with Windows 10 being as good as it is? Are, are you worried about driver compatibility with Windows Update? Do you still worry about those things? Because 
Look, in old days, you could use stuff like IBM Director and you could actually push images across the wire. So the minute someone plugs in a network cable and they detect that it's a new PC, you could have a pre-configured image that gets pushed down. I, I don't know if they do that. It was part of the whole uh, MDOP, the desktop optimization program yeah. from Microsoft, where you could streamline all these desktops. But yes, the fact that they're selling you a license as part of Microsoft 365, when your notebook ships with a license, I don't quite understand how that works because you would buy a notebook with a license. Unless Dell will sell you a notebook without a license because you're an enterprise um, agreement customer or whatever license model you have. But it's great. So you get Windows 10. The nice thing about Windows 10 from that perspective is if you trash the notebook, the operating system doesn't live and die with the notebook. You actually have a client access license for Windows 10, which might be the difference. I'm not a licensing specialist, so I don't know how that works. Then you get Office 365. Uh, I think it starts, you, you get an E3 and an E5 uh, a SKU or plan for Microsoft 365. And there's also the SMB plan, the small to medium business. There's also a plan, and that's yeah. coming a bit later this year. Uh, one August is when Microsoft 365 launches. Yeah, that's quite exciting. Um, the small business thing, that's, that's a big market, specifically here in South Africa, I think. Um, and making that easier for small businesses and startups to get into the Microsoft ecosystem right from the start is fantastic. Well, also the small, so we'll talk about that. There's four apps we spoke about it last Last on, on last week's show, there's four apps that, that ship with the uh, small business essentials and those things, new um, uh, periodic table apps or the waffle apps, which is very exciting. But with Microsoft 365, you now get EMS, which is your mobile platform, enterprise mobile. So you get to manage mobile device. So think of two-factor authentication. When you try to log in from another device, it will send you a pin to your phone so to authorize it. And then also you get the better side of threat management and all that stuff with security. So it's Windows 10 plus Office 365 plus EMS plus security. That's the bundle that makes up Microsoft of well Microsoft 365. That's very cool. And yeah, that's super uh, important. Well, think about the ransomware of late. So you had WannaCry and then you get NotPetya. So... Yeah. Those things all impact what you do with your devices and how secure they are. So ransomware takes over your notebook or whatever you're on and you have to pay someone to, to release it. They kidnap your, your operating system. And with stuff like Intune coming from Microsoft as well, to better secure access, um, authentication, authorization, and threat management rolled up into one line item. So you take Microsoft 365, I want an E3, please. And now it's end-to-end -end pretty much. So companies are now starting to gear up to be able to offer that sort of service. And that brings me to the next takeaway from Microsoft. And it's quite interesting how they positioned all of this. So Microsoft at the beginning of the year decided to reignite <laughs> the partner network, MPN. And that started in Seattle, and we're starting to see it now for the new financial year for Microsoft come down to, to South Africa, and there's quite a, quite a lot of changes. And Microsoft has reignited its partner-focused ecosystem because they have so many partners. And one of the ways, obviously, is through Microsoft 365. So you look at organizations like Business Connection, um, I'm just trying to see who else, um, EOH, uh, Dimension Data, 
who have a consulting services business that yeah. does Office 365 and the productivity stacks. So I think CRM, SharePoint, SQL, because that's pretty much the productivity stack. Then you have a separate division that does licensing, your LSP, and then you've got another division called end-user computing, okay. which does your day-to-day desktop management. So think system center, um, mobility, security, threat management. Now, now you can sort of, you can roll it all into one and provide an end-to-end solution at one stop, basically. Yeah, so exactly. So larger organizations that are LSPs or large account resellers. Yeah. I prefer law opposed to instead of LSP because large account reseller makes sense. You sell enterprise agreements. So that's for the big guys. I think there's four or five of them in the country. And then you've got what they call um, CSPs. Those are the guys that can sell Office 365 licensing. So now they'll be able to sell Microsoft 365 at memory serves. Um, I stand corrected on that, but that's making that ecosystem, they're opening up that ecosystem to your tier one and your tier two CSP partners who are not LSPs. And there are more CSPs that are selling Office 365 and the Office 365 SKUs that don't necessarily sell on-premise licenses because they're not allowed to. As a cloud solution provider, that's what you sell. You only sell cloud licensing, not on-premise licensing. So it gives them a better partner-focused engagement model now by doing things like this with the software stack that they have. That's very cool. It opens up the channel for a lot more partners that otherwise wouldn't be wouldn't be making those sorts of sales. No. And the the hook for Microsoft, which is my other point in the top five, is that Microsoft records that channel in the world in the world, the opportunity value associated with the channel is $4.5 trillion. That's a lot. That's a big number. I wonder how they came to that number, though. It's interesting. I suppose they take the amount of people on the planet and they divide that by whatever economies of scale and geographically dispersed and how many mobile devices there are and... And all of sure. that. But yeah, it's a, it's a crazy number. How to get people excited about sales, tell them how much money they can make. Absolutely. That's a good pitch. The next one, the next one, which I think is really cool for people that are still worried about on-premise, which should be everyone, but they want the richness of Azure. So remember that Microsoft released Azure Stack, which you as an IT administrator could download Azure Stack and stick it on top of your data, data center, center. Yep. Yeah? Yep. but you'd still have to do all the glue bits. So that's just a portal. You still have to spin up all the other bits. What hardware vendors now are doing, so you've got HP Dell and Lenovo, or HPE, not just HP. HP Dell and Lenovo are now shipping. Yeah. Oh, and it's Dell EMC. It's not just Dell anymore. They're shipping Azure Stack devices. Chassis. Yeah. yeah. We, we so spoke you can, about this a few weeks ago. There's a whole bunch of them and more coming out. So in the old days, you could buy, Dell used to do it, it was called Cloud in a Box. So it's pre-configured. Microsoft also had appliances on the SQL side, so you could buy a parallel data warehouse or a database consolidation appliance. And 
it came pre-installed, pre-configured. You tick the box and presto, you've got magic, you know. Now you've got the same concept where you can buy, let's say you are doing a data center refresh. You could now say to Dell, EMC, well, Dell, EMC, Lenovo, and HPE, okay, I want, uh, I need 20 blades and uh, this is what I want it for. And, you can, and they'll say, okay, so this is the compute modules you need. Um, this is the storage you require. And oh, by the way, it's all shipping with Azure Stack. So you literally got all that functionality that for the most part that you have available when you go to portal.azure.com, you'll now have that a similar functionality on-premise, which is great, mate. Great, great, great. So I got a question for you. Who who are the people who are going to be using this Azure Stack? Do you see individual enterprises spinning up Azure Stack in-house? Or is this aimed more for um, like resellers? So if I'm offering uh, hosting for a bunch of different clients, no, I'll run Azure no. Stack to simplify my life. Well, well, both. Because for starters, it will definitely simplify your life. Oh, look... From a hosting, from a hoster's perspective, there's a ton of products already that do this. So you look at the local guys like Vox, uh, Global Micro, uh, Datacentrics, uh, BCX. BCX uses Parallels. I can't remember what the other guys use. And it's a self-service portal. So for hosters, you can now sell that functionality of being able to say to a customer, okay, so you want, um, you want software as a service. So you want five VMs. Okay. Fill in the paperwork online, request it, boom, and you got it. Same with AWS, same functionality. Yeah. I wouldn't necessarily say that you're going to replace what you, your current investment with Azure Stack. For me, Azure Stack is the guys that, okay, it's a data center refresh time. I have 100 servers that I manage. So I've got AD Exchange, System Center, Virtual Machine Manager, and a whole bunch of other uh, applications running. I've got Hyperion, I've got SAP. I can literally go buy five racks with the necessary compute power and I can start migrating these virtual machines across into the Azure portal. So now I've got a better management interface. I've got all the richness that comes with the Azure stack, the plugins and all of those things. And I've got a similar experience so that when eventually I move to the cloud, I'm already prepped. And the hybrid capabilities are also off the charts with it. So that's the other one, the other bit. Um, when Microsoft's talking about IT moving to the intelligent cloud, and they've actually called it the intelligent cloud, intelligent edge model. It's all around, we know that there's going to be a lot of hybrid. It's the same with Julia White saying that SharePoint 2019 is a reality for on-premise, and we're building towards that. So on-premise is not going away, and I think Microsoft realized that, yes, we want to push Azure, and we want to push cloud, but our partners have literally told us to go play in the traffic because all our partners have on-premise customers that don't want to lose out by not moving to the cloud, but want some sort of piecemeal offering from Microsoft saying that we can still have the best of both worlds. Yeah, because there, there is a lot of stuff that you'd rather keep on-premise, but um, you obviously, the, the 0365 stack is so good. There's so many really great tools it's it's a real pity to miss out on all of that. So if you can uh, split it up um, and run a hybrid model, I think I think that makes the most sense. 
people are worried about their data and their records and whatever, so they can keep that in-house, for instance, and then their collaboration stuff, they can use all the 0365 tools for. Yeah, but just bearing in mind that you're not getting Office 365 in Azure Stack. No, no, you're not. Yeah. So that, all you get, it's all you're part of the, like, it's all part of this thing, right? So you're not just buying Azure Stack. You're not just buying Windows 10. You're not just buying an 0365 license. You're not just buying SharePoint. What you're doing as a business is you're saying, okay, we, we've got this host of requirements. Microsoft have this full end-to-end -end offering that can take care of everything. Like in whatever configuration I want, whether it's on-prem, cloud, hybrid, dispersed, whatever, it all works together and uh, and does the whole thing end-to-end. -end. It's sort of what I'm hearing out of this. It's making lives easier. What it is detracting from is you're going to have um, dumb waiters as IT support staff. Yeah. I'm sorry to say that. So think about someone that gets involved in Exchange right now. They have no understanding of what Exchange really is because they're supporting Exchange in Office 365. Zero. Yeah. And there's not a lot of support to do. Like there's a bunch of admin stuff, but you're not Microsoft are doing all the actual support for the platform. Yeah, they're the, the heavy lifting. What you're worrying about is whitelisting IP so you can get mail. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's an oversimplification, but it is what it is. So I think for me, that is the, the, the top five takeaways uh, for those that didn't go to Inspire and are, are you know, um, too long, didn't read, um, told her. Um, you can now grab this information from us on the podcast. Sweet. So what else we got? Oh, what's next? And now we'll go to our actual, actual segment called In the News. So now that, we, now that we're over... Microsoft Inspire, there were a couple of, I mean, Inspire is a sales thing. There were a couple of things that came out of this week in Office 365. I wouldn't call it Office 365, but what I did see at Inspire is a Windows 10 smart thermostat. Yeah, I saw that. The pictures do not, it does not, it doesn't do a justification, mate. You must see this thing. It's glass. It's a glass display. You, it's it's translucent, so you can put your hand behind it, and it's awesome. If it was available in South Africa, I'd implement it right now. It'll tell you what the pollen is like outside. It'll tell you what the filtration is like on your aircon, so that... If the filtration is not working well, it will do it better. It checks temperature. It's 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 so sexy. It's um, super from a cool, man. Called Johnson Controls. Yeah, and it's Cortana. Yeah, it's interesting. It's a good thing Microsoft's getting into this, right? So all these, all the virtual assistants, right? Whether it's Cortana or Alexa or whatever, they're going to be bleeding into all these other things like smart homes and car AI and your fridge and all of that, all this IoT stuff of which the smart home is one of them. The fact that Microsoft is making partnerships in these spaces and it's actually getting going is super important. I hope it really takes off. Um, I, hope, I hope they're not doing the same Microsoft thing of being 10 years earlier than everybody else and then everybody forgets that they did it and uh, somebody else comes out with it and it takes off. 
Well, look, Microsoft, from a research perspective, you're seeing it now with the type of notebooks that are coming from HP and Dell. They're all very Surface-like. So that's great. I, I think it's good that they stay ahead of the curve there. But yes, we want them to continue with awesomeness and not just shelf it and then try to play catch up like they're doing with the internet browser. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Cool. What's next? Some of the other things that Microsoft doing, and a lot of noise has been made around artificial intelligence and their, their, their research um, stuff. As of today, or well, not today, but in the last couple of weeks, Microsoft has, guess how many people in their AI and research unit, mate? Uh, 7,500. <laughs> That's a good guess. Eh? That's <laughs> a good guess. That's a great guess, yeah. Yeah, no, I did read the show notes. It's cool. It's really sweet that uh, Microsoft's um, pushing into this area and the fact that because of Azure and all of this, all their learning and all their research is available to the public. You know, you can make use of these. Last week, we did a flow demo at um, the 0365 user group at Microsoft. Yeah. And yeah. one of the guys there did a whole thing where they were using um, a bot in Teams uh, to kick yeah. off a flow and, and that whole spiel. And it's really cool. And that's sort of where all this comes from, right? So all their AI and research goes into making these Azure skills that then you can use as part of Office 365 and combine it with all the other tools that are available. And it's really, really cool. This is the, this is the cutting edge cool part of IT now, right? We've been doing ECM for a hundred years. We've been doing uh, collaboration for a hundred years. The technologies change a bit and the capabilities change a bit, but the basic thing of what you're trying to achieve and what you're doing is the same. This stuff is new like completely new, like everybody's trying to get a, a handle on how can we actually use all these really exciting new tools. And I'm glad they're doubling down on, on getting this going because I think Microsoft are uniquely positioned to do this sort of research and these sorts of skills. Apple's great. Um, Amazon's great. Microsoft have, I think, a much better technical base than either of those. And they've got a huge amount of data, huge amounts of telemetry um, from people using their products. And that's that's what you need for this sort of thing. It's the business model that they are in, right? Um, so it makes more sense. You look at Google and their telemetry, they've got crazy telemetry. Google and YouTube are the two largest search engines by leaps and bounds. Yeah. So if you want to look at, at Pat. Well, YouTube is Google, but yeah. That's why I mentioned both of them. So if you look at patterns, I mean, Amazon um, in the week just launched its, its, its weird little, it's got a funny social network where you can do some ratings and stuff, which is strange. Um, the amount of information they've been gathering, well, I don't know what they do with it. And they must be doing something with it from Alexa because she's sitting right there. That's so nice. Just ask me what you'd like me to do and I'll try my best to help. <laughs> I mentioned a, I mentioned a name and she she responded. So she's always listening. So that data must be crazy. Yeah, that's so, not creepy. Although they're not supposed <laughs> to be they're not supposed to be saving any of that. So, but yeah, like we as the human race are providing so much telemetry to the big corporations. AI learning is is mad. 
Yeah, so that, look at look at what Facebook does. Uh, uh, something as simple as our site now has cookie tracking, so we can track you. Uh, it's it's people don't realize how much technology has invaded um, your daily life. Right? They they don't get it. Anyhow, so yes, that's a great one. Um, coming back to actual product news that are are, are functional to people. Um, in real time, is the new features, the new calendaring features from Outlook.com. Yeah, there's a bunch of stuff Microsoft have announced, um, new features in Outlook.com, a lot of it around calendars and, and meetings. So just in, enhancing the functionality of Outlook.com to make people's lives easier. So we'll just run very quickly through them. I don't think we're going to get too in-depth. They've released a family calendar. Which so is great. Yeah, so everybody in the family can have access to this one calendar and you can keep up to date in the single place for all the different events, which is sweet. Um, also improved calendar sharing. So you can share your Outlook calendar with anybody who has Outlook.com or 0365 accounts, which is really good. Um, I know us in the consulting space, that makes things a lot easier um, because we've always had the ability to to share, but it, it, sometimes it's difficult and this person's using that and they're not in the domain and whatever. So simplifying that's really cool. Also more for um, small businesses and stuff. You don't have the big infrastructure to um, to do it the other ways. Yeah, and they've, again, looking into this sort of uh, AI learning thing, Outlook will now apparently automatically add dinner reservations and other events to your calendar. So have you seen have you seen where this is coming from? Where's this coming from? Have you ever have you switched on Google now? No. O- on your phone. Oh no, yes. So yeah, that's Google's sort of had a, a similar thing for for a they little while. They yeah. still have it. They still have it, mate. So it'll tell you if if you've done any bookings for flights. This is a simple example, right? Um and Google's got access to your mail. It will tell you a day before, an hour before, two hours before. You better start going to the airport because it's going to take you 37 minutes from where you are currently to get to the airport. Mad yeah. AI right there. Yeah, it's very cool. So they've got all these algorithms that will check your mails automatically so there's nobody actually reading your emails. And then it will notice like, oh, this is a dinner reservation. This is a holiday. This is a whatever. Um, this is a work meeting and it automatically put those in. So when you get your email with the person saying, okay, confirm, great, we're meeting Wednesday at three, you don't have to go then create that event. It'll just do it for you, which is sweet. I remember at TechEd 2008, I think, um, Uriel did a demo where he actually uh, spoke to Outlook to change, um, uh, reschedule a meeting. And we were like, wow, that is just next level stuff. And with Cortana, you can actually tell it now if you actually have to get hold of the uh, preview, the calendar help preview. Uh, if you sign up for the calendar help preview, you can now ask Cortana to schedule a phone or a conference call for you, um, which is pretty much what I can't say her name uh, <laughs> because she'll. It's a wake. It's a wake word. Um, she does that for you anyway. She who shall not be named. Yeah, I can't that's, say. It's not because... evil at all. Don't worry. <laughs> But I've got the robot two, eh? overlords have our best interests at heart. Uh, no I've, I've actually got two. The one in the lounge is her name, and the one in the in the back is called Echo. Nice. Yeah. So anyway, penultimate news: uh, Microsoft ships 
SQL Server 2007 in its first release candidate. 2017. 2017. Did I say 2007? You did. Uh, so SQL Server 2017 for Linux and Windows moves ahead as a RC. No longer that's, is it a CTP. So that's, that's cool. awesome, awesome. I still yeah, haven't had great. time to, to spin up Linux and deploy full-blown SQL on it. I'd love to see what it does. Yeah, I mean, Linux is a mission to, to set up. But, you know, like the licensing is a lot easier. So being able to set up a full uh, clustered SQL environment running on Linux will make those sorts of implementations a lot more affordable. Oh, definitely, cool. definitely. Especially if you've got a hundred SQL servers. And there are those guys, you know, who want all the control. They don't want oh, the man. machine doing anything they didn't tell it to. And they want to make sure that every single line of code they personally put in, not anybody else. Um, so now you can use SQL Server when you want to do that too, which is sweet. I thought that that's what PowerShell was for. Yeah, but it, it's it's a different sort of thing. Like... I mean, you can install Windows Server in Minroll and, and that sort of stuff. So you do get, yeah. back in the day, if you wanted that level of granular control, you'd have to use Linux or Unix or, or whatever. Now Microsoft does have a lot of those capabilities too. But, you know, Linux is still a thing people love. So it's, you know, Microsoft everywhere, hey? Yeah, I think that's going to be the next release, Microsoft everywhere. <laughs> yeah, but you heard it here everywhere. first. Yeah, you've heard it first on two guys in SharePoint. <laughs> Sweet, it's uh, our prediction. L lastly, our favorite Office three six five Microsoft groupie Tracy van der Scaife is at it again. What's she doing this time? So remember last year she ran that around the office in three six five days. Yeah, it was a posted day for three hundred sixty five days on Office three six five. Yeah. Now that Microsoft has released Microsoft 365, she's doing the same thing. Oh, she's a mad woman. That's just insane, mate. A blog post today for 365 days on Microsoft 365. So not only does she have to write something, but she has to learn about more than what she's learned about already. So moving into Windows 10, EMS and security is completely new for her. I, 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 I don't understand... Uh, that happens. I, seriously, it's, it's, we are not worthy, Matt. We are not worthy. Yeah, she's absolutely incredible. So um, I do suggest everybody go and check that out. You can find her at tracyfunderscafe.com, T-R-A-C-Y-V-A-N-D-E-R-S-C-H-Y-F-F.com. Yeah. Go and check that out, guys. You can grab. Is that it for the news? I think that is it for the news. We've uh, had quite a lot of chatter today. Yes. But, uh, that's, that's doing it. So now we're on to our final segments. And up first is... The new find of the week. So last, I think it was two or three episodes ago, we reached out to our listeners and we asked them to give us their top 20 SharePoint uh, add-ins plugins, whatever you want to call it. And Erica Toller came back to us and mentioned a product called Record Point. So I've known Record Point for a good couple of years. I've had a few mates work at Record Point. A very good friend of mine, Garth Luke, um, was there for, for some time. And he's obviously moved on to Metalogix right now. So for those who do not know what Record Point is, it is a records management plugin for... SharePoint and Office 365, well, SharePoint Online and SharePoint On-Premise. 
Cool. So it extends the current functionality of records management inside of SharePoint. You know, it's rudimentary. You've got a record center and you've got a retention and disposition. It's pretty much what you have. And with Office 365, you've actually got a little bit more around classification. Uh, and you've got, there's some cool stuff around um, rights management services as well. So what you get with Record Point is you've got a rules engine, which is quite neat. I don't know if it does auto classification like the uh, RevIM from Avpoint. Uh, there's a nice dashboard. You've got the typical file plan things, and you can build a decent file plan because let's let's not mince our words here. There is no file plan in traditional file plan in SharePoint. SharePoint. No, but doesn't exist. Your file plan, what you create, is done with metadata and a bunch of record libraries. There's some cool stuff you can do around disposal. Uh, although I have a gripe with record point because they seem to associate disposition with disposal but it's not um, there's the e-discovery holds uh, you can export stuff now so think about exporting and importing records by the level of aggregation so box file or record uh, there's long-term provisioning it also manages physical records which SharePoint sucks at doing it's got uh, security and governance features which is neat and you can also now store social records so think about okay. capturing facebook posts uh, twitter feeds and you can actually store that as records now that's sweet that's an interesting thing that's that's also quite a cool use case for um uh, flow that i hadn't as that i hadn't thought of uh pulling twitter feeds into yeah. a list and then into um, a list so that you have a record of it yeah Look, so cool. head over to recordpoint.com. They've got some nice referencing material there uh, around product resources. There's uh, uh, stuff like top eight reasons to use RecordPoint, high enhancing RecordPoint, or records management for in SharePoint, and also the product overview. So that is my product find of the week. Very and thanks cool. to Erica Tolle for, for uh, sharing that information. You will be getting our, one of our first T-shirts when we run that, when we do our T-shirt run. Yes, we'll mark your name down. Thank you, Erica. Sweet. And then our last segment is the SharePoint PowerShell commandlet of the week. What have you got for us, Modlin? I've got quite a simple one. But before I get into it, I do want to ask the listeners, guys, please do tell me, um, as Mr. Thirsty pointed out on, on Twitter, all the, all the commands I've been doing in these 39 episodes um, have been on-premise because... I've been, I do most of my work on-prem. If you guys would prefer that we look at the new, bright, shiny stuff and do 0365 ones instead, please do let me know and uh, I, I can swap over sort of thing. But this is another uh, SharePoint on-prem commandlet. It is set SP alternate URL. Does what it says on the tin. So using PowerShell you can change the alternate URL that you've set up for a web application. So this, this will allow you to change either or, like either the URL or the zone or both. So if you want to swap, if you want to swap a, a web app from uh, the default zone to the intranet zone or the extranet zone, whatever of those, uh, whatever of those, you can use this uh, commandlet to do it. Cool. So anyway, that's, Nice and simple one uh, this week. 
my randomizer turned up a, a quite an easy one for us. So, Madeline, just go. a quick question on your PowerShell stuff. So, yeah. if I can tap your brain for two seconds, Ooh. attach content DB. Yes. Can you force an attach? So, let's say I don't have specific features or solutions that have been deployed to that content DB. Can I force an attach? You can attach it. Um, chances are I can break. It's fine. So I'm happy can... for, for it to break. I want the content. So a document library with content in a site. That's what I want. I don't care about the features that are on specific pages. So you don't have a calendar web part on a page because it was a custom calendar from Imrain Engineering. But you're attaching a content DB. As long as it will attach and it won't go, it get to 97% and then fail. No, like it, as far as I remember and understand it, you can always attach it depending on what the solutions are and where they use depends on how much it'll break it. So I'm happy it for be, it to break the pages. Well, maybe, well, that's the thing. Maybe it'll just break the pages. Maybe it'll break more than the pages. I, I haven't done an attached content TV in a long time, in years, yeah. actually. Um, I actually, actually remember the last time I did a big one. Um, and we literally... Well, there was a process, put in the WSPs. I can't remember if any one of them failed because it was missing a WSP. That's why I'm asking. Yeah, like I've, I've run ones where um, it will it will attach it, but it's, it's broken. Yeah, and it, it's broken beyond use. That's fine. I sort mean, of thing. Well, um, what, the entire site collection or just the page that has the embedded web I've, part in it? I've, I've seen it happen both ways. Oh, so thanks, sometimes, sometimes you just can't hit the page. So if you know the exact URL of the document library, you can get there. Also, like if you've done a bunch of customizations to um, like the master pages and stuff, um, if it's expecting those sorts of things from whatever, no, things, that, then, you, then, you're not, then, then you're not going to be able to bring up even the document library. Content so, equals minus one, Matt. That's all you need to go to. Content yeah. equals minus one. Webpod maintenance, delete. Yeah, that can help. So, but yeah, it, it depends what, the solutions are that are going to break it ideally you want to clean all of that up before you do the export of the db that is that is the way you're actually supposed to do it so yeah, but sometimes it's in, not in, that in your hard, source eh? yeah in, in your source take a backup of that restore it to a different web app and just strip out all the crap and then attach that one yeah if you have time um, a lot yeah. of times customers go we don't have time and I, I heard a right. I heard a really great quote. If you want something quick and dirty, the quick is forgotten in a week, but the dirty stays forever. <laughs> like herpes. <laughs> it's true though. Like I could put in something quick and dirty for you. You're gonna forget that how quick it was, but you're gonna be living with the fact that it's a dirty implementation forever. Yeah. So yeah, take the time to do it properly. All and right. Actually, if if you're doing that sort of thing. I'm I'm at the point where I really think you shouldn't be using DB attaches. Like use a product, use an F point, use a share gate, use a whatever. There there are things that do this much much better. Uh, I agree with you completely. But if you think about it, if companies divorce, right? So you have a company that's bought another company, and all of a sudden they don't like the relationship and they divorce. Doing a a, mic, a migration like that doesn't necessarily work. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Well, thank you so much for coming back on the podcast, Al. It's so nice to to have us back to normal. Oh, mate, that just sounds sounds bad. 
Um, I will endeavor to ensure that we do record um, every week going forward, even if I'm not in the country. Yeah, we must just, I mean, I said this last time too, but we need to have a bit of a plan on exactly how it's going to we should we, we, maybe we should use the out. use the Microsoft family calendar for it. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good to me. Strangely so, enough, that th- these episodes, the show notes actually sits in an Office three six five. Yep, tenant. It, it does indeed, and it's been super handy. All our raw files and everything going there. All the final uh, edited ones. It's super useful. Uh, all right, cool. Well, thank you all for listening to us this week. If you're trying to get hold of us online, you can find our website, twoguysandsharepoint.co.za. We're also on Twitter, at twoguyssharepoint. I'm on Twitter, at oddmodlin, and L is... At Alistair Pugin. We're also on Facebook and all your podcast apps of choice. So, yeah, drop us a line. Tell us what you think. And you stand in line to win a free T-shirt. Yes, give us some feedback and you can get some swag. Sweet, thank you, L. It's always a pleasure, Mr. Modler, and I'll chat to you soon. Cheers, cheers. Ciao. Just hold on. I just want to have a, a, a quick tug on my vape. Really? Because I'm vape. You started vaping. I started vaping, mate. And I got a decent kit. It lights up and it says 35 um, watts. And it tells me how many puffs I've had and what the temperature is and the ohms and the amps and the mode. Uh, Fascinating. Fascinating.